Season 3, Episode 9. Passion on and off the sports field. Body talk. I didn't really read the article. I looked at the picture, says Trage. Alan and Sarah burst into fits of laughter, while Sarah admits that she reads the comics before the news. Sarah recounts a tale of tennis players who recall the play-by-play points of their matches, even those played 20 years ago. She asks, how do you temper this passion required to be a world-class winner when behaviours are deemed violent by regulators? A pervasive culture of masculinity? To carry yourself with dignity and do the right thing in a sustained basis is sometimes difficult and men can be challenged by their role expectations in society, Alan postulates. Sarah asks the boys to define precarious manhood. She presents the idea of a pervasive culture of masculinity in sport, at work and in relationships. The idea of bigger, better can be aspirational, says Trage. Sarah argues that there is oodles of research that shows that these reinforced expected behaviours can manifest in stress, anxiety and violence. In the courtroom, both parties can lose dignity and court should be considered a last resort to resolve a dispute, Alan remarks. He recounts a case that describes the pattern of fighting and make-up sex between a couple, which can be considered in the context of precarious manhood, because of the linkage to aggression and primitive ownership framed by sex. As a practical work or personal relationship strategy, Sarah describes a method to disclose point-in-time energy levels to negotiate a pattern of communication and support and manage expectations. The boys laugh about the idea of the unicorn in dating conventions. I wouldn't know anything about that protest, Trage. They're just mythical creatures to me. Yeah, yeah, willing and able. DJ Code Red Sabre, we're gonna get this started, yeah, this is how we starting it. Let's get started, 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 let's get started. Who's gonna start this? We're gonna start this. Hello and welcome to the Why Work podcast series. You are listening to Trace Fitkovsky, Sarah Pazell and Alan Girl. Okay, you kick off your sports story. Oh, all right. Sarah, this is usually when you say what's happening. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, welcome back. How's it all going? Excellent. Yeah. Trej, let's reflect a little on season two. We talked Mm -hmm. a lot about the sports field. The sports field worked from anywhere. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because A, you'll have to reflect, and B, I am reflecting because I just remember reading a story in the Courier Mail, or actually Sunday Mail, and I I didn't really read the article, but I looked at the picture (laughs) because... Because <laughs> Sunday Mail, there's like a bit of such an educated I, I, man. I love, I love well, that you admit that because that's well, me all over. No, I, I, look yeah, at no, the, no. I look at no. the cartoons first, then I go back to the story. Well, no, <laughs> no, I had no choice. I had no choice okay, because why? the article's like about 50 words and the picture was like half a page. So, so what's I've, it about? Okay. Well, and the reason why I say that is um, because a picture does tell a thousand words and it was about the biff. I think it was the Norths. We mentioned Norths a lot. Parents opposing sides, of course. The uh, stadium fight spills over onto the Oval and it was the most appalling display of parents behaving badly on the football pitch. So I thought it was a... You used the word reflection and I thought, yeah, I'll reflect. Isn't that funny that this stuff we talked about just that week, there was a picture in colour of these parents going... At it, hammer and tong, and what an example to set to your kids. So we've yeah? talked about the culture of sport without losing the spirit of sport, where you really want 
a fight. A game has to be on. You want people to be passionate about what they do, but that spills over in the sports field, on the sports field, and it can just go overboard. It's really hard to know when those boundaries stop. Once adrenaline's going, once you have a biochemical change in the body and you're on and you're, you are ready to fight or flight, have that stress response, right? You're, you're, aggress- <laughs> you're aggressive and you need to get this win on the sports field. What do you do? What do you do, right? So you've got it on the sports field and we've got health and safety issues because that's your workplace. We've talked about with Andre Agassi, and Pete Sampras, and we talked about the fight that happened in the stands among two old guys. So I relayed a story in Palm Springs, and now you're telling me also on the, what, school field? On, Where on was the this? On the, um, no, on the sidelines, the parents just said so they Was it a school sport? No, no, it was just a game between uh, two teams on a weekend, but isn't it interesting that this fight literally became a fight? Yeah, it's almost like this, there's so much pent-up aggression that the spectators were participating oh, in the absolutely. spectacle. absolutely. They can be more you, aggressive than the guys in the field yeah, at any time. Guys and gals, right? Last time. Yeah, so I just thought it was interesting that, talk about reflection, yeah, I was just reflecting what was in the uh, Sunday Mail, so that was pretty interesting. When have you not seen somebody or a parent or a family member get angry at a sports game? And what is culturally mm. acceptable? It's, or is it just me? Do I go to sports games and, and <laughs> maybe it's... Yeah, well, am I maybe, cheering at all a little too you. passionately? Oh, do you guys you see this often? Oh, I see it all okay. the time. Yeah, do you, do, you, do you get angry at other parents? No, I don't. I do you, don't, but I see it. Do you, do you yell from the sideline? I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> I do the more do you championing. That I, yeah, I do. I champion the stuff that goes great. Right. And I may just go, oh, damn, you know. Um, I've, I've, I mentioned earlier meeting some tennis players, and Jeff Coltsy was a coach, and he was coaching a great player, Gonzalo Escambar. And I started talking to Gonzalo and come to find out he knew one of my tennis buddies, my friend's son, who is like uh, a stepson or a nephew to me, Andre Dom, played tennis in America. This guy, the minute I mentioned Andre's name, they knew one another. He knew one another. He had played against him in college. He knew in detail the score, game by game, total match. He knew when it turned. He remembered everything. These guys are so passionate about their sport. It took a second for him to recall everything. And then I realized I was at that match in San Francisco with his mum. Right. I hadn't even put it together until he started to relay more of the story. And he he said, I'm sorry, I really had an injury. Please tell Andre I'm sorry because it changed the emotions of the game. Andre was winning until he took an injury break. Right. Right. But I relay that because it's just so much passion, so much commitment. They live it. They're in it. And how do you extract that if you want things to to be tamer? How do you you have that passion and be tame? Well, I can relate to that. uh, Certainly, perhaps to the extent of these professional tennis stars, I've now progressed from yellow Yellow to you're blue, you're bouldering. No, you made I've, it. I've got, moved beyond blue. Where are you now? I've transcended. I'm, I've, <laughs> I can do 
at least two of the purple. Two purple right. out of how many purples? Oh, what are the about ten. But right, so yeah, you're moving up the ranks of the purple. Yeah. So and that, that doesn't mean an awful lot to me. So just explain what that so means. So beginners, so for example, Alan, you might start at yellow. Sarah, of course, go to white, which is the, the highest. I'm not a climber. I don't know. I don't, I don't profess to be a climber, but I'm I'll keen to learn. I don't mind. We'll talk about another form of climbing in a minute, aspirational stuff in a second. But let's get to the rock climbing. Yes, you start with yellow, blue, purple, green, orange, red, black, and then white. Mm. And so purple's climbing up there. It's a big step, though. The, the, from the yellow to the blue is manageable. Blue to purple is, yeah, next level. But I know my point of this is I, I think I know how uh, your famous professional friends would feel. Once you, do you remember that. every element of that, each purple yeah, Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You took about 50 goes to get it. But the point is, hey, it's all part of this new let's get physical. Um <laughs> To quite a famous well, pop star. Well, I, I just Let me hear your body talk. I just talk. taught yoga this morning. I covered it. I covered your body talk. It. Body talk. I yeah, body it. talk. We should call this session body talk. But I, go, covered, so. I covered a yoga class this morning, and I thought, just because I was in the moment, and it was like, you know, you get the feel, the milieu, and I thought, let me just try this. I didn't really plan it. And I and I instructed everyone in, in progressing. Hanumasana is the, the um, splits, and I actually hadn't done the splits in a while and I, I was curious but i got there on both sides i can still the splits well done <laughs> there you go well thank done. you it's very but, very you flexible. know honestly i don't i do a sport engagement i engage in sports and mm. i don't recall it that much thereafter i just like live it in the moment and go cool and it just fades away i don't still Good. i would not remember the details of that kind of gauge and that kind of game but maybe that's why i'm not a pro athlete well alan do you play golf I have played golf, yes. Yeah. yes. Do, you, do you play a sport? I mean, we've never asked you. I know about your, your gardening I have your played a lot of sport in yeah. the past, but I don't play sport at the moment. What was your thing back in the day? Probably field hockey. Oh. Probably mostly, yeah. What I remember you? you talking mm. about field hockey when we first met. That's funny. So it is mm. a part of you. It's part of your mm. DNA. What, what was your position? Because I played with Robin, of course. Oh, yeah. of course. Robin Burgess Limerick, a professor who helped... Oh, okay. uh, guide me through my PhD. And he's so humble. You know what he would say? I introduced him to my son. I said, this is my teacher, you know, my professor. My son was probably six at the time or something. And he said, well, actually, I'm still learning from you too. And I was like, what? That's very <laughs> so he's humbling. so humble. He yeah. just, yeah, just, no, that is he good. kept and his mutual learning is like he'd always say. Alan, what was your position? Uh, center left. Okay. Mm, very strategic. Center left. Mm. Mm, important. Was this in college? The two of you played? Uh, it was through uni, yeah. Uh, I played and at high school, of course. Cool. Um, good on yeah, you. No. Oh, good stuff. Who's gonna start this? We're gonna start this. Press play and plug in the microphone cable. To start this off. I'll I'll give you a case, and it it demonstrates that. Um, and we're looking at this from the perspective of men. Uh, there's a lot of challenges in life for men, and to carry yourself with dignity and to do the right thing. Is, is sometimes difficult. And this in this case, the parties don't have names. They just have letters. So to preserve their dignity, uh, the individuals were known as the letter R and the letter H. Now, I, I don't actually know their names, so I've made up these names, Roberto and uh, Henrietta, 
which is probably nothing like their real names, but Roberto and Henrietta uh, had a relationship and in the end they ended up in the Supreme Court, which is why we have the case judgment. Now, pause. Mm-hmm. and Alan, to you, what is precarious manhood? That's a big term just to, to you. So let's let's. So precarious this. manhood, I think, I think, I suppose it's both men and women, but uh, we're talking about manhood. Um, there are many challenges in life and to be ethical and proper and carry yourself with dignity and to make the right choices uh, can be very difficult. It can be difficult to do those things. And what does precarious manhood mean to you? Well, I think uh, I'll echo Alan Sandeman's, hence the term precarious. It's that balancing act of trying to get on with things with grace, style and dignity and but by the same token, um, accept that you are indeed a man, and with that comes and those responsibilities. There's a culture of masculinity that can be reinforced through society, as though there's expectations. Like we've talked about aggression on sports fields, like we've talked about uh, how a man should feel, represent themselves have emotions or not have emotions, what emotional range is acceptable. And it's not just pervasive among, among men, women can reinforce that stereotype about what's expected also. So it's, the, it's well, that we, cultural we, we framework even, and the climate of yeah, what's expected. We might even be moving into a community where you don't talk about manhood or womanhood anymore. Mm. It's really just about people and how yeah. people conduct themselves. Indeed. Just to make it clear, my reference about but, the, the size of the raptor and the hylax, that has nothing to do with manhood. It's to do with aspiration. In, a, um, in, in this late stage of capitalism where it's, it's bigger and bolder but and better and rougher. So, it's, so that, I, that's I where think, I was going for. I think we for. can't discount that there are stereotypes that exist for reasons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Stereotypes exist because there, there are trends. And we can't negate oodles of research that talks about yeah. the challenges yeah. of masculinity yeah. and, and what's pervasive and the the concerns that men might have because they're expected to behave a certain mm. way mm. or because they do behave such, in such a way that aggression manifests or violence manifests from those types of reinforced expected behaviours. Well, what you often see in the courtroom environment is there'll be a dispute between two people and they ventilate it in the court and my sense is both parties lose dignity as a result of taking matters to court. And so court really should be your very last resort. Um, is that what this case is about? Well, maybe. I, I wasn't involved in this case. All I know is the judgment. Um, but the, the judgment's an interesting read. So Roberto and Henrietta met in Perth. That was in the 19, late 1980s. And... Roberto and Henrietta had a fairly fiery relationship. Um, Their son described um, their relationship as uh, tumultuous. And what would happen is Roberto and Henrietta would fight and sometimes the fighting got a bit physical and then they'd make up and they'd have sex and then they'd fight and then they'd have sex. And they met in Perth and uh, Roberto moved to live with Henrietta in her unit in Perth. And then after a while, after being together for a while, they moved to Brisbane and they wanted to live in the suburb Stretton, which is a very nice uh, little suburb. 
And um, uh, whilst they were in Stretton, they would fight and then they would have sex and then they would fight and they would have sex. So here, here's an example of what could be precarious manhood when if, if through fighting the manhood is threatened and they respond with masculinity and to take control, a man suggests sex. Now, I don't know in this case. I'm just saying that is well, that's, that's an application. Sex. No, no, correct. Yeah, it doesn't actually say that in the judgment, but certainly looks like it could be. could be makeup sex, but if you're putting it in the context of, of precarious manhood and masculinity, when your manhood's threatened, what yep. do you do to respond? And that can be through aggression, mm-hmm. and it can be through... Which is no good. Sex can yeah. be an expression of aggression, depending on how it unfolds. As we're hearing about in the media now, yep. it can happen in the military, it can happen in construction, you name it. Keep going. Well, Henrietta even got a restraining order to restrain... Um, Roberto. From the sex or the aggression? The, the aggression. <laughs> or are they all in one? That's what but I'm getting at. But they continued to live together. This Uh-oh. reminds me, remember those 50s, the show, was it um, The Talking Horse or when, when they were with the couple quarrelling, they'd paint a white line over the, uh, the, like, from the wall to the bed, so you'd stay on this side and you'd, you'd stay, stay on, on that, that side. What was the horse? Remember Ed? Was it Ed the Talking Ed Horse? The horse is a horse, a horse. Yeah, that, yep. Is that Australian? That? No, it's American. So we're talking about the 50s. Okay. But anyway, I remember I was painting the white Ed line. The talk- you stay on this side. So there you go. That's a bit like so some remind type of me, anyway, I'm gonna, Remind me, I'm going to tell you about uh, uh, a little um, tip that a woman spoke about on a webinar the other night. So remind me. But go back. Anyway, then Roberto proposed to Henrietta. Of course, as you do. Yeah. And, um, to secure things and to maybe own and claim her. Uh, well, <laughs> that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking so this, because you talked about this is manhood. Ten years, ten years. Right. So they've been together for ten years. Um, he proposed to her and uh, she declined. Mm. And Go so Harriet. He, he, Harrietta. he was very upset about that. Um, and said some unfortunate things. Okay, and you see how I'm connecting it now to ownership? Or keep going. Well, my, I, I, it doesn't talk about ownership in the judgment, but maybe you're right. I'm colouring right. it. I'm colouring it. Anyway, then um, Roberto discovered the internet and he started um, he started uh, um, developing a relationship with someone over the on the internet. This is 90s, someone you in, said, 1990s? I think it might be Kyrgyzstan. In one Kyrgyzstan, of one of the stands. Oh, we were talking about Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, yep. yes. in a stand. So anyway, so Roberto wanted to go over there and meet her. All right, so pause. internet connection. A friend of mine, during the pandemic, there were all these, like, discounts to have more global access to your online dating profile, I'm told. And so he had all these contacts in Russia and all the stands, and he's like, check out the women on their profiles. They get all dressed up, like, you know, dressed to the nines and they show they've got like phd chemical professor but but they can cook and they look good too and they would profile this so he's like wow i like the women in the stands and in russia much better than australia (laughs) they're having all kinds of conversations and and beyond yeah, but the technology is so good now that it can just create the image. It could, right? Anyway. Yeah, no, completely but artificially created. I, we got I some are. competition, the girls mm. in Stan. Okay, in the All stands. Right, so now Henrietta wasn't too upset. In fact, she drove him to the airport so that he could go to Kyrgyzstan. See ya. And, yeah, see ya. Because <laughs> statistically the probability of coming back could be... So, well, she's already bring us those women good. back, go for so it. So she right. was quite confident that good she could just send him back. over there. Good yeah, luck. Yeah. And he sent back... Love cards. He sent Aww. back postcards. Oh, how sweet! For for her and for the cat too. Apparently, the cat. okay. 
And um, uh, he came back after uh, a, a few weeks and admitted that it was a mistake. Oh, and you then think? He, pro- he proposed to her again, and again <laughs> she refused him. I got wait, wait, wait. I just need to put this in perspective. Rather than appreciating you for who you are, I went over, found another alternative. I thought that was going to be my pot of gold. It turned out the grass was not greener. She really couldn't cook, and the PhD was a lie, right? And, in fact, my my unicorn was actually just a fat donkey. So I'm coming back and disappointed. I don't have the perfect world. Coming back to Australia, you're my plan B. Right? Will you well, marry me? I missed you. Well, I love you. Well, Can well, I, I tell you? the rest of the story? Look <laughs> up the meaning of unicorn because she wasn't a unicorn. But the um, anyway, a unicorn is often like the the whole package in dating. Uh, I don't know any of this stuff. That's why I'm silent. Are uh, they a unicorn? There's all these matrices to uh, work out if quickly, you're a good Google dating it, unicorn. Oh, okay, I'm going to show you my unicorn. I don't know what your unicorn is. Anyway, no idea. I just thought of it as being a mystical, mythical creature. And <laughs> So Just cute. for the record, so I'm not a unicorn. <laughs> okay. the, um, all right. And then um, uh, so they're back in Australia um, and the sex stopped. Okay. So the, the fighting oh, continued, wait, wait, but wait, the wait. sex stopped. I love how you knew that. Mm. Okay, so there are, <laughs> there are unicorns who are considered to be like the the best magic. Unicorn can I, can I, magical. Yeah, my son, Lindsay told me that so that's he how t- I oh okay can you try so, to explain yeah. that to us yes, yes. thanks Lindsay keep thanks, going thanks Lindsay and um, anyway then R- Roberto develops a relationship with a Canadian woman and it was at this point so we're about two decades in he gets his solicitor where's Henrietta Henrietta they're still Henrietta. in the same house they're still in the same house yeah. okay and uh, he gets his solicitor to write to Henrietta and says your tenancy is now finished mm. and you'll have to vacate the premises. Housing is at, expensive right now. Henrietta's still in the house. Okay. Henrietta laughs off the letter and says, I'm not going anywhere. All right. And uh, that's when um, Roberto, yeah, awkward. Roberto goes to the Supreme Court and seeks a declaration that they're not in a de facto relationship. And because they're going to the Supreme Court, then Henrietta makes a counterclaim where she seeks a declaration that they were in a de facto relationship. Part of the property uh-uh. rights. Yeah, yes. and that means that she gets half, well, she gets a portion of whatever the joint yeah, estate yeah. is. Um, mm. He was the, he had a sizable income and she had virtually no income, um, so it was much more important for her. But um, in the end of the case, it was decided in her favour uh, the court declared that they were in a de facto relationship. But I think in terms of precarious manhood, I don't know who R&H were, but I'm sure all their friends and colleagues know of the case. wouldn't take long for it to get around. And all that detail about their relationship is now in the public arena uh, in a case report. Yeah, they, there's that expression in family law, um, if they do go to trials, the airing of all the dirty laundry, yeah. uh, it's it's such a risk uh, because of the intimate and personal details. I mean, you know, commercial litigation, you can look at contracts uh, going awry, repudiation, but when you look at mm. people, you're looking at reputation, not repudiation. Well, it's a very personal and, and emotional thing. It's a very risky business yeah. going in, into that, but... Uh, Roberto well, should have just—he just should have manned up and look, and said it's a de facto relationship and we need to sort it out. Mm, 
you know? It sounds very dysfunctional. Just like you can have a dysfunctional organizational climate, this sounds like a dysfunctional housing, social, family relationship and a climate where there certainly was disparity, aggression, thinking about some of the psychosocial factors that you're talking about. The fighting sex, fighting sex, fighting sex. Yeah, and stereotypically... But the thing, the thing, of course, is the case ends with their biggest fight ever was the fight in the Supreme Court. So what happened after that? Mm. Oh, you're oh, you're asking if they may have makeup? Who knows? <laughs> it might be documented. It, if it were people, reality TV, Trage, well, right? It's all public. Just like this, when you go to court now, this is it's all reality, public. It's and well, reality, it is reality TV, TV now is with all public. The amount public. of uh, televised uh, cases. And that's that sort of contest <laughs> culture when... When masculine traits are rewarded, stereotypical masculine traits are repeatedly rewarded and reinforced and honoured. Well, we're seeing seeing Mm. right now, uh, which, of course, when this broadcast will be in the future, but right now we're seeing the members of the royal family, of course, Mm. all over the media. And back home we have uh, um, uh, uh, Robert uh, Smith all over the media. Um, This is bringing up a lot of cause for concern about potential, you know, aspects of precarious manhood and masculinity contest culture. And think of all the folks who had to speak up, who might have had what at the time was unpopular, disparate ideas or beliefs about what unfolded. And they had to be very brave to recount what they believed happened Mm, mm. when you have a decorated military personnel highly regarded and having to go against public opinion is very difficult so men have had to do it in in and women have had to do it with the me too movement and you know it's happened for for both sexes well he had the choice he had the choice of walking away from the bad media and just copying it on the chin or bringing a defamation action against the media and so yes he took he went to trial so everything was brought out all the the dirt was dragged out in that trial. So is precarious manhood a response to any situation with the use of aggression, threat? And so basically you're getting aggro. Is that precarious manhood? That's the only way you can deal with the matter by by going feral. So in this case... Well, you, I think court, you, you clearly shouldn't. You clearly... Yeah, should not be about the culture, the contest culture. When you get a threat, your response yeah, is aggression. to dominate, right? Yeah. Sexually or through violence or yeah. through aggression, Threats, civility, that control, kind of thing. So coercion. Ta- and it can, it can mm. diminish. It can escalate. It can diminish. And the boundaries of what's acceptable or not acceptable Well, people try to, try to use the courts that way. They try to use the courts mm. to, they bully. to control and bully and dominate. Um but it means that everything's going to be dragged out. It means it's all going to be in the public arena. And you both talked about having a very conciliatory process, even when you were on competing mm-hmm. ends of a legal spectrum, you, if you will, so representing different causes or cases. Do you think precarious manhood has been least controlled or sustained in the workplace? So, in other words, are we seeing a diminished precarious oh, manhood. Not yet. It takes such a long time to change culture, let alone to understand the snapshot in time. What's the first you have to investigate what's that climate, right? And and we already know that there are, you know, executives who are mostly men and how men are paid better and, you know, go on mm. through the list. So you've already got some reinforcement with disparities and equities happening. And so it won't just happen on the 
pointy end of what's tested and what's paid is what's culturally accepted to get to that point. What's the trajectory to get mm. to that point? Oh, I see. Now, so what you're saying is even if we can, can put a lid on, say, the yelling and the fists, let's say, just yeah. say if we can control that. The other issues, the equality aspects. The, the, the politicians. The, the, How many yeah. are male, right? What's yeah. allowed to be so, in a position of power, Right. Yeah. And you know, I just let me bring it back, back down into the micro in this this webinar that I said, remind me to speak about I, this woman spoke about uh, having a balance at home. And she said it's never 50 50. So I thought oh, this is interesting. Mm. A, a good partnership with your with your your partner is never 50 50. It's always a balance in a sway. But if it can happen respectfully and with disclosure, you've got more chance for success. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Let me Mm. listen in. So she spoke about saying, like, if I come to this podcast today and there's three of us, so, you know, divide 100 percent by three, 33 percent, point three, three. And I say, you know, what have I got? What have I got to bring? And, uh, you know, well, gosh, I've been smacked around the last couple of weeks. So I've got 10 percent today guys what have you got treasure's like i'm feeling great i got i can treasure always has a hundred <laughs> as an example and Trace says oh, you know i got 70 percent to yeah. bring and you say well i can make up what was it 80 i can make up easily uh, i got yeah. more than 30 percent so we're so good we can run this show yeah. we'll yeah. carry it right so in a partnership it was between the two 50 50 i've got i'm home man i've had a day i've only got 30 and mm. if your partner can say that's okay i got 70 mm. or if they say I'm at 25. You say, you know what? That white line, that horse you talked about, we need a little space so that we don't intersect and cause conflict to one another. We don't want to drain one another. So let's each retreat. And just that conversation, it's a quick benchmark. It's kind of a nice way to have that conversation to disclose where you're at without the whole, are you okay? Yeah, or, or too rather, deeply. Or, 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 or get to the, the point of some escalation and just saying, you don't yeah. appreciate me and feeling, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, um, disturbed. Yeah, that's what I manhood to mean, that, that, that inability to, getting back to your point, Alan, about not having that sort of dignity and humility and grace, just suddenly you uh, default to um, that threat, the aggression and just that, yeah, that, that violent, if you like, approach. That's what I thought precarious manhood implied. Well, there is also, um, and, and I, I know you want to talk a little bit about a case uh, involving sexual harassment, um, but statistically it's usually the man that's mm. sexually harassing. But not always. Not always. Not, not always. We're talking about my mate. But it's mm. yeah, we're talking about like when manhood is defined more by by social proofs than biological yeah. proofs, right? So that's precarious manhood. That that sort of idea, correct? But but the element of aggression and threat, though, that that's a fundamental that's ingredient. That's contest I mean. culture. When you're threatened, how do you respond? Yeah. Mm. Well, I mm. will dominate. And yeah. how am I going to dominate? What's going to mm. you know make my win? Mm. I started to watch last night uh, as I was falling asleep. What did I watch? L.A. Confidential, right? And you've, have you seen that? Um, a long show, time ago, yeah. long yep. time, a movie a long time ago. And the cops who are more aggressive get more reward, right? Mm. Mm. Who's gonna start this? We're gonna start this. Press play and plug in the microphone cable. Next up is the crew willing and able. Satisfying your thirst, come and clean on the best precise and We hope you enjoyed that episode of Why Work. You've been listening to Trage, Sarah, and Alan. And if you'd like to know more about some of the things we've talked about today, please subscribe and we'd be more than happy to provide you with information and other things that may interest you. Please be aware that none of the matters we've talked about today should be construed as legal advice. 
advice or any other type of advice. We're just here to talk about all things related to work. See you next time. Mm. I'm just saying culturally, this is just a celebration, you know, uh, where the... the <laughs> it will fulfill your needs. Kana, oh, Yama, Himi are venerated. Well, talk about... Well, well, let's stop. I'll go down the loop.